or join us live every weekday here on YouTube for the best NBA podcast where the takes are hot and the drinks are cold. There's no dress code and you can take this bar with you wherever you go. So pull up a stool, drop a like. Don't forget to subscribe. This is Basketball at the Bar. Grab your drinks and let's go, Calvin. Let's go. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to another awesome Basketball at the Bar podcast. It is Tuesday. What's up, What's up Flame uh, Flurry 11? I shipped your ball out yesterday, so you should be receiving it shortly. Thank you so much again for participating. What's up, Steven? Good to see you here. We have an awesome uh, show today. We have some injury updates. We're talking about the Kyrie Irving uh, situation and how his wallet just got $50,000 lighter. We're going to recap all of Monday's games, the Raptors at the Sixers, the Jazz at the Mavericks, and the Nuggets at the Warriors. Then we're going to give you guys a little bit of preview of today's games, Calvin's thoughts on Hawks Heat, Timberwolves Grizzlies, Pelicans, and uh, the Suns. We're going to talk about Scott Foster. And then we're going to end the show, as always, with Q&A with you guys, the fans. <laughs> all right, you guys got questions already. Don't worry. We will get there. All right, Calvin. So, first off, how is your Tuesday so far? So far, so good. Another day of playoff basketball ahead. So, who can complain, right? Yeah, it's a little early here in Maui. It's only noon, and we're drinking Coors Light. So, that's <laughs> always a good start to a day. But, uh, yeah, Jazz overrated. Oh, man. I'm very disappointed in the Jazz. And we'll, we'll talk about that here. A couple teams looking dead in the water as right? well. Right. But uh, let's jump here into the injury updates. I know Luka Doncic, uh, there are rumors swirling that he could potentially be available for game three uh, or possibly four. That would be Thursday or Saturday. Calvin, what are your thoughts on Luka Doncic returning for the Mavericks? I mean, the, the Mavericks have to be feeling like the They've got to be feeling great, you know. I mean, the Jazz actually went on the road and split to their first two games, which yep. ev that's the goal for every road team, right, is that's just true. take one of the first two games. But I don't think they're feeling very good about where they're sitting right now, uh, especially after the barrage of three-pointers. It's a franchise playoff record for the Mavericks, 22 made threes last night. Jalen Brunson... Best backup point guard in the NBA is here on the playoff big stage. Is and he a now backup? You're, probably not anymore. I mean, I, no, I would seriously start him along with Luka when he comes back. But we'll see what the Mavericks decide to do. I mean, it, it's a great problem to have, right? It's kind of yep. like what Golden State is going through right now as well. Yep. It's like, oh, tonight we'll just have Steph come off the bench. But uh, seriously, the, the Mavericks... They have all the momentum right now. Whether or not Luka comes back in Game 3, they've still got to be feeling like they have the momentum. Um, and everything sounds like he's, Luka is progressing very, very well. So it's not looking good for Utah. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see whether Luka Doncic comes off the bench for these first couple games, just like Steph Curry did with Golden State. He might have a minutes um, restriction just like Steph yeah. does. So They might take it easy on him. As I mentioned, you know, when this injury first happened, this is very similar to the injury that happened to uh, Kevin Durant in Golden State, where it was, I'm not going to lie, when I first saw the injury to KD, I was like, oh, that's Achilles. And they're like, no, it's a calf strain. And they say that when the calf is strained, it puts extra tension on the Achilles and makes uh, it more likely to damage that tendon. What does this mean for Luka Doncic? I have no idea because <laughs> I'm not a doctor. But they don't want to rush him back. I know that for a fact. So I think that he is their franchise star. Uh, they expect him to lead this franchise for a very long time. I don't think that they honestly think they're going to win the championship this year. So the only reason or the only way I see them putting him back out there is if there's no way that he can possibly injure it even more and miss a complete season like what happened to KD. So if he's coming back three, four, any of these games, I expect him to be pretty much ready to go. Yeah, I, I think they're, you know, it's one of those things. You just have to trust. Uh, Luca's got to trust his own body, first of all, and then the, the team has to trust what the physicians and doctors say. I, I mean, there's really not much else you can do at that point. Any other injuries to announce, Cal? 
I, I don't have any new injuries. I mean, we still got, you know, certain guys hurt, right? Like uh, Capella's still oh, injury out. Injury update. How about that? <laughs> Capella's still out. Um, John Collins was back. Uh, we saw John him Collins play over the weekend. Still dealing with, I mean, it's playoff time, right? So almost all these guys, like you look at every team's injury report and they've got five or six people that are listed day to day. Everybody's dealing with stuff right now. So. Yep. Also in other news, congratulations to Marcus Smart for winning the Defensive Player of the Year award. I think he was uh, 500 to 1 odds at the All-Star yeah, break to you, win the award. If you had him winning Defensive Player of the Year, I mean, look, it's the first time a guard's won it in almost 20 years. So yeah. you made yourself a lot of money if you picked that one correctly. Yeah, Gary Payton was the last guard to do it. Incredible player. Uh, I've been a huge fan of Marcus Smart for a long time, so happy to see him finally getting recognition for everything that he worked so hard for because uh, I'm just going to throw it out here. Kings need a guy like that. They really do. Yeah, a lot of teams need a guy like that. Yep, yep, that is very true. All right, you want to talk about this Kyrie Irving situation? Yeah, let's talk about it. (laughs) Kyrie Irving was fined $50,000 today for uh, interactions with fans. Uh, mostly the middle finger uh, and just talking back to them. We saw the post-game press conference. He seemed quite frustrated with the fact that people can say anything to him, but he's not allowed to respond. Uh, We also saw guys like uh, Charles Barkley and Shaquille O'Neal talking about it, saying that he uh, needs to figure himself out because they've heard way worse. I don't know if that's the best way to, like, classify things because there's always like oh i've had it way worse than that like you can't complain but it is quite unfortunate that you know these guys are put on this stage and people constantly you know just jab at them i'm not gonna lie i was one of those guys i've done that before it's part of the fun of going to a game but these people are humans and uh we've seen kyrie irving uh and kevin durant for that matter have both taken things personally in the past and gone back and bo- back and forth with fans on social media or in person. So uh, more of the same here? Yeah, I mean, really, you can look at a lot of players across the NBA. I mean, Miles Bridges just had an incident a- after their game at Atlanta where he throws his mouthpiece into the stands yep. trying to hit a certain fan and actually hits somebody else in the head. But... Russell Westbrook, uh, it's been well documented this season, all the mm-hmm. abuse that he's taken um, from fans, and not just this year. He's had it for a, you know a long portion of his career. LeBron James, obviously, has taken a ton of criticism. Uh, yep. Yusuf Nurkic had that dust-up with a fan who was talking about his grandmother earlier this year. So it's no secret that this stuff happens. I mean, it's really unfortunate. Um, these guys take a lot of verbal abuse, for sure. Yep. And uh, there's one of two ways to look at it. You can say, well, it's part of the territory. It comes with the job. It's one of the reasons why you get paid as much as you do. Not, not you know, maybe a, a main reason or a big reason, but it's mm-hmm. still a reason. Um, and, you know, it's kind of like the, uh, the, the social media effect or the computer effect, right, where fans are faces in the crowd and they feel like they can yep. say whatever they Key, want. Keyboard gangsters no or whatever they call repercussions. Them. And, um, yeah, keyboard gangsters. And we've seen the NBA take maybe more of a, an actual stance on this in recent years by banning fans from arenas, uh, mm-hmm. you know, finding guys, calling people out, making it public, uh, that sort of a thing. So it, it's certainly unfortunate, but in a country where freedom of speech is prevalent, this stuff isn't going to stop. Yeah. I mean, you can't stop people from saying things in, in, a, sta- in a public stadium. And I think all these guys know that but like Kyrie said there as you're when you're a human being there's only so much that you can take so from that standpoint it's understandable to see people retaliate yeah Yeah. but it's going to cost you money if you do (laughs) it is every time for me the thing is is like if you would just ignore those people it will stop or it will die down versus when you re-engage with them it validates their feeling that they are doing something right, right? Or that they are doing something that gets your attention. So they will continue to do it more and more. And Kyrie's response in this situation is just going to make it worse. It's not going to make it better. Uh, And that's unfortunate for both sides. I saw an interview with Kevin Durant, uh, and he had a really good response to it. He said that, 
you know, being the the dark side or, you know, the embracing the, the dark side, the person yeah. that everyone loves to hate because, you know, he's been through that for a really long time now with Golden State. We saw how it affected him. He seems to have finally come to peace with it. Uh, maybe it helps having a guy like Kyrie on your team because he's taking it all instead of you. But he said that, you know, the hate is rooted in love like they used to love you. And that was either by you being on their team or them buying your jersey or your stuff. And at some moment that changed, right? Either you left the team or you requested a trade or something happened and they turned on you. And that, that turning is only because they loved you so much in the first point, right? And they felt like they were a reason why you left or they you took away a piece of them in leaving their team. And that's the reason why the fans act like they do. And maybe that's true. Maybe that's not. I, I know as a fan myself, I'm deeply involved in my team uh, emotionally, uh, physically. I spend a lot of time monetarily. I buy all their stuff. So it, it is painful to see really good players leave your team. It feels so good for them to come to your team, right? And then it, it uh, feels horrible for them to leave. As a Sacramento Kings fan, I feel a little lucky here because people don't come to my team or leave my team. So it's I'm a little insulated in that situation. But I, I understand it from both perspectives is what sure. I'm saying. And I think that what both parties are doing is just going to – they're just, you know – <laughs> they're flaming or uh fanning the flame <laughs> fury 11 fire yeah yeah definitely i, I mean this uh as much as you want to talk about this subject i nothing in my opinion is really going to change like you're still going to get booed when you come when you go to yeah. boston you're still going to get people calling you names you're still going to get people flipping you off um and like you said i get from Kyrie's standpoint, wanting to retaliate or wanting to say something back. But uh, the, the way he's got to retaliate is by dropping 50 every yeah. night. That's That's got to be it. Yeah, and he almost did that. He was yeah, playing incredible. He is coming close. It's funny. It. I was watching uh, Winning Time on HBO, the Lakers <laughs> series. I think I showed you episode one uh, a couple days ago. I was watching the new episode last night where the Lakers were going to Boston, and it was basically the same thing of like, the Boston fans are just brutal to all these players. And, uh, you know, I, I know things have changed over the years, but it just gives me even more appreciation for guys like Bill Russell that, you know, even though he was a Boston guy and, you know, a hero for them, he was still, you know, an African-American uh, that was blazing through barriers and stuff like that. And the, just to think about the amount of, of things that were said to him and the stuff that he had to deal with, it is just mind blowing for me, and it just gives me even more appreciation for him. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And I mean, this time of year, baseball just honored Jackie Robinson, right? So yep. it's, it's some things are are too much. You you can definitely cross the line. Yep. I, I don't know if any of these particular Boston fans did on that given night, um, but in Kyrie's mind, they did, and. Uh, if you're going to embrace the dark side of the moon, then to me, you can't cry too much about what people say to you, but that's just yeah. my personal opinion from the outside looking in. I, I don't know what was said to him. I don't know any of that stuff. So it, it's, a uh, it's unfortunate, but it's playoff basketball. It's not going to stop. And the only way to make it stop, like you said, is to go out and play and to beat Boston in advance, mm -hmm. send them home, yep. send them packing. Another angle that I hadn't even thought of until just now, maybe Kyrie's just hungry, and that's why he's acting out. You know, he's not eating, he's not drinking. Sure, he needs a Snickers it, it, is what you're saying. He needs a Snickers. What's up, Mike? It's good to see you here in the chat. All right, Calvin, enough talking about funny stuff. Let's jump into Monday's game recap. First off, we had the Toronto Raptors take on the Philadelphia 76ers. And, oh, was this a game for Philadelphia. We got to see Joel Embiid really be himself on the offensive end of the floor. And uh, James Harden did some stuff as well. Yeah, I mean, the Philadelphia did some stuff as a team. It's funny because I felt like uh, the Raptors came out of the gates the exact 
way they needed to. That all the talk was about how they were going to be more physical. Mm-hmm. They weren't going to let Philadelphia push them around anymore. They were going to take it to them. And in the first maybe six or seven minutes of this game, that's exactly what they did. Fred Van Vliet and Pascal Siakam were the best two players on the court, not James Harden and Joel Embiid. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, it just flipped like that. Joel Embiid gets to the line time and time again. He had 19 points in game one. He scored 19 in the first quarter of this game. Uh, And Philadelphia, as the game went on, they just totally seized control here. Um, Toronto, their biggest issue is that they cannot score in the half court when Philadelphia is set. They're too big. They're too long. And Toronto doesn't have enough good good enough one-on-one players who can create their own shot. They've only got a couple. And... So they've got to get stops and then get out and start their offense early. Mm-hmm. But Philadelphia was slowing the game down by getting to the free throw line. Then they start converting shot after shot after shot, being able to get back, get set defensively. This series is over to me. I, yeah. I don't see any way that Toronto, even if Scotty Barnes is able to come back and play, they, I don't think they have much of a shot at all right now. Yeah, I I don't think they do at all. And we even saw Joel Embiid having some words with Nick Nurse. Uh, His post-game press conference was absolutely hilarious. He says... What did you What did you say to Nick Nurse? And he's like, well, I told him uh, respectfully to uh, stop bitching about the calls. <laughs> Greatest response ever. Yeah. We saw Danny Green dunk in this game. We did. I heard he's getting drug tested today. <laughs> uh, you know, and then Tobias Harris, another amazing game for him. 20 points, 7 of 11 from the field, 3 of 3 from the three-point line, 10 rebounds, 3 blocks. I keep forgetting that Tobias Harris is even on this team, right? There's yeah. so many other guys to talk about in Joel Embiid, James Harden, Tyrese Maxey. And you forget that this guy is almost on a max deal, and he is actually being quite productive for the Philadelphia 76ers. Definitely. I, the, he is uh, probably the happiest he's been in a couple years, right? Because he can now slide back behind the curtain into that third yep. option role on this team. Um, and you've got guys that get double teamed all the time, so he just gets open shot after open shot. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. The Sixers shot almost 47% from the three-point line in this game, and the free throw differential is absolutely huge. 30 free throws for Philadelphia, only 12 for the Toronto Raptors. As I mentioned, like 14 of those were from Joel Embiid. Mm -hmm. Uh, Toronto has no answer for him at all. They're just too small. All they can do is really foul him inside, and then he goes to the line and he hits the free throws because he's a good free throw shooter. So... I agree with you, Calvin. This series, I know it's heading back to Toronto. I know Matisse Thibel is not going to be available. I don't even care. This series <laughs> is over. Yeah, it's if this isn't a sweep, I think it, there's definitely no way it goes longer than five games. Philadelphia was up by 29 at one point in this game after being down nine. It just, it's crazy. Philadelphia is moving on, no doubt in my mind. Are you ready to move on as well? Yeah, yeah, I think we can. It's it's just uh, it's an unfortunate situation for the Raptors. I agree here with Stephen. Well, kind of. I mean, it depends on what you define as a star. But I definitely feel like they don't have enough star power on this team. They need to add uh, another a big, big name, talented type of guy in order for them to really be a team that's going to contend with a lot of these big time Eastern Conference opponents yeah they're really missing out you know they lost Kyle Lowry Uh, obviously they lost Kawhi Leonard Uh, Sergi Baca left they have some young guys but as we know as NBA fans young guys are great but they don't always win basketball games so Toronto needs to figure themselves out they need to figure out whether Siakam uh, is moving on whether he lines up with this young core they've been building and they need to go and rebuild further or Maybe trade some of these young guys to bring in another big-name guy, pair him with Siakam, and make another run. Yeah. What would you do if you were the Raptors? I would definitely try to keep Van Vliet and Siakam around and add a, a third star to this team. Uh, you know, they're, I think they're 
probably ahead of where people expected them to be this year. For a while, it looked like they were not even going to make the play-in tournament. Now, mm-hmm. all of a sudden, they're the fifth seed. Um, they've got some good young pieces. Precious Achua actually has really impressed me uh, with his ability to handle the ball, get to the basket, his mm-hmm. outside shooting. Um, he's a big, long defender as well. He's still young. So I think there's potential for him um, there. I'm not the biggest Chris Boucher fan anymore. I kind of liked him last year, but yeah. I think he, he kind of regressed a little bit this season. But that being said, you know, you've got a, a great point guard who just made his first all-star team this season. Mm-hmm. Um, Siakam has been a really solid player in the NBA now for a few years. So if you're able to add a third guy to that team, that, that's a pretty good uh, start to go from. Yeah. Yeah, I think they're definitely on the right path here. All right, our next set of games on Monday, the Utah Jazz visit the Dallas Mavericks. No Luka Doncic in this game, no problem. Dallas wins 110-104 over the Jazz. Jalen Brunson, 41 huge points. Donovan Mitchell, 34 in this game. Rudy Gobert, only eight points. And for me, the biggest disappointment for the Utah Jazz, Mike Conley, 0-7 from the field. Zero points in this game. What is going on with the Utah Jazz, Cal? This, I'm calling it, this is the end of the Utah Jazz as we know it. I I have a feeling that Dallas is going to win this series now. Uh, I'm not even sure they need Luka to come back to win this series, (laughs) which is the really scary part. Uh, I I expect Donovan Mitchell to want out of Utah this offseason. I think he's going to say enough is enough. Mm -hmm. This team's underperformed. I'm doing everything I can. I think they really miss Joe Ingles. Uh, I'm not sure uh, what their thought process was with that trade at the time. I know he was hurt anyway, so he probably wasn't going to play much. But they miss him sorely on this team as as an additional outside shooter and scorer. And you're right, Mike Conley... You know, I was very critical of Rudy Gobert after game one. I still think that he needs to be to give them more on offense, which I'm not sure he's capable of, uh, which is a huge problem in itself. But Mike Conley is he he's an all star. Like he, yeah. he's a great point guard in this league. He cannot have a game where he scores zero points and goes zero for seven from the field. This Utah team just is not good enough to win without that third scoring option. And that's even with 21 points from Clarkson off the bench. Yeah, I I agree. I don't completely agree. I I don't feel like the Jazz are completely over yet. However, if they do lose this series, I think the team will be blown up. Uh, You know, I'm, I'm trying to look on the positive side from Utah's perspective as you mentioned before the podcast, they split games in Dallas, so they basically stole home court advantage, and they haven't really played that well. You know, uh, Donovan Mitchell's played well, but Rudy Gobert has, has really not done enough offensively. He only took five shots in this game, and I feel like he is one of the biggest mismatches that this Utah Jazz team has. The Mavericks don't really have a guy that's big enough to stand up against Rudy Gobert. He had 17 boards in this game. Uh, maybe he needs a couple more putbacks. The, the high board man was eight on uh, the Mavericks, and that was Jalen Brunson. So I think that he definitely has a size mismatch there. And then, you know, just looking at Dallas's bench here, I know they're going to be getting back Luka Doncic. I don't know how well he's going to play, how many minutes he's going to play. But like Maxi Kleber, eight threes in this game, eight of 11. Mm-hmm. He is not going to do that regularly. So I'm not hitting the panic button yet if I'm Utah, but they need to figure this thing out in the next two games or the series is over. And as you said, their team, like we know it, is over. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for Rudy Gobert, the problem for him is, yes, he does have a major size advantage, but he has no offensive game. You can't give him the ball inside and expect him to get his own basket unless he – throws somebody out of the way and has a wide open dunk. And the other thing that I'm really concerned about is he had four turnovers. Mm. This is a guy that barely even touches the ball on offense and you end up with four turnovers. That's not a good sign 
him and Mike Conley are the two guys that are really holding this team back. Another thing that's uh, really going to be over, or I don't know how overlooked in this game, but needs to be mentioned, the Mavericks only had three turnovers, and all three of them came from Spencer Dinwiddie. So that not a single other player on this team turned the ball over. That's wild. And that's with Jalen Brunson playing 42 minutes and taking 25 shots, yeah. holding the ball in his hand for most of the game. That is really, really impressive. I take back what I said after game one, that I felt like the Mavericks would be better off playing faster. Mm -hmm. I think it's the opposite now. I think Dallas definitely wants to keep this game just where it's been, you know, right around 100, po 100 points. That's kind of what they've done all season long. Um, slow the game down, create fewer possessions for the opponent. Utah is the one that needs to play faster. They've got to get more shots up. They average over 43s a game attempted in the regular season. Game one, they attempted 22, I believe, in game two, or, or sorry, 29 in this game, um, and 22 in game one. They need to manufacture more possessions and more uh, opportunities for points. Yep, yep, I agree. <laughs> Mike says, add Luca in this series is a sweep. Championship basketball. We'll see, Mike. We will see. The next couple games will be very, very revealing. Like I said, I, I like the Mavericks. I'm still not giving up on the Jazz yet. I picked them in six to win this series. So that means the Mavericks are going to have to win two games here. And as Calvin mentioned, you know, only three turnovers for them in this game, eight of 11 for one of their bench players. Uh, you know, this is not a regular occurrence to me like the Mavericks are not regularly going to have 41 points from Jalen Brunson 25 from Maxi Kleber shooting you know 80 almost 80 percent from the three-point line and only have three turnovers for a team as a team that's true but it also speaks to one of Utah's biggest problems this year and that's been their perimeter defense yep I mean they, they really have a, a hard time stopping the initial drive uh, stopping any drive, and then you know you got a ton of open threes in this game. Rudy Gobert is a great defender, but he can't cover the entire court. Yep, yeah, it's true. They need to work better together as a team, and who knows? Maybe this uh, you know Donovan Mitchell Rudy Gobert tandem just doesn't work out. Maybe it doesn't work. I think it's over in okay. Utah. I really do. If they lose this series, I agree with you, Cal. I do. And uh, we'll see what happens. All right. Third game on Monday, we had the Denver Nuggets <laughs> visit the Golden State Warriors. This was an entertaining game, Calvin. The Warriors win 126-106. Steph Curry comes off the bench in this game and shoots ridiculously well. 34 points, 12 of 17 34 points i'm just gonna say that again 34 yep. in points 23 in minutes. 23 minutes a ridiculous game for steph curry uh we saw the denver nuggets getting into it with each other on the sidelines we saw them getting into it with players on the court and ultimately uh the joker is ejected in this game as the nuggets fall to the warriors yeah like steph said during the game he is back the Warriors are back to the team that looks like a varsity team scrimmaging the JV team. <laughs> they start off the game not really trying. You know, the JV gets up. They start feeling good about themselves. And then the varsity looks at each other and they go, all right, let's start playing. Mm -hmm. And they blow the other team away. No, there's no team that I've seen in the last maybe, you know, 10, 15 years, even those Miami teams, that are able to just flip the switch like that at yep. The Warriors scored 70 points in like 20 minutes. Yeah, yeah, it was it's, like 22 it's just minutes un, or something crazy. It's unreal what they're capable of. Jordan Poole has just re reverted this team back to the championship form that they had, you know, not even a couple or, or three or four years ago. It's, it's really scary. I don't know what's scarier, the fact that the Warriors are the Warriors again or uh, DeMarcus Cousins getting in your face and threatening to fight you. <laughs> Right. I think it was just like a day or two ago where I was talking about how the Warriors were a dark horse because no one's talking about them winning the championship. <laughs> I have them going to the Western Conference Finals and losing to Phoenix, uh, but they are looking absolutely incredible. If this team can stay healthy, uh, they have a great chance to win another ring. Draymond Green is just, 
like only six points in this game. I, I heard them talking about him during the game, and they're like, Draymond Green might be the best non-scorer NBA player of all time. Just like the things that he does on the court, the leadership that he brings, his passing ability, his defense. We saw him basically get into Jokic's head in this game, and which ultimately leads to Jokic getting ejected. But uh, the Warriors are just a far superior team. And as you mentioned, Jordan Poole is a great pickup for Golden State. 29 points in this game, 5 rebounds, 8 assists, 2 steals, a block. Uh, as Draymond Green said, Jordan might have to start as well, Calvin. He very well might have to. I mean, th this is just uh, – yeah, Mike, I was going to bring that up too. I think Rodman and Draymond Green probably are the first two guys that come to mind when you think about best non-scoring players. Um, in NBA history, but it, this is just a classic case of why uh, Golden State has been such an impressive franchise for a long time. It's not just because they have all these mega stars and they got really lucky by mm -hmm. being able to draft them. They develop young players. Yep. All their role players f either fit in and play their roles exactly how they're supposed to be, or they turn into stars themselves like we're seeing Jordan Poole do. Um, they even revived Andrew Wiggins' career so, and made him an all-star. He's it, looking great just, and comfortable yeah, out there. They're, they're so well-balanced. They're so loaded uh, with shooters, and they're so unselfish. Like they, There yeah. is no team that whips the ball around like they do. Yep. It's really, really beautiful to watch, and it's a very scary thing to watch for the rest of the league. Yeah, it just goes back to the whole thing about system, right? Is is this team has a system, they have a culture. You practicing against guys like Draymond Green and Steph Curry definitely helps propel you and make you a better player. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're also a destination. We've seen guys like DeMarcus Cousins, Kevin Durant choose this team, Andre Iguodala choose this team because they want to be part of that team and that culture. And then uh, just going back to Draymond Green, as much as I dislike Draymond Green as uh, when he plays against my team, I think he is so frustrating and annoying. He's everything for that team. He is the glue that Definitely. holds that team together. He is the one that puts people in their place. And that's exactly the reason why we didn't see a guy like DeMarcus Cousins getting out of control with Golden State, which we've seen him have two games now uh, with Denver where he's been out of control and multiple other games in the past, he is the reason why guys know their role and they stay in their lane on this team. Yeah. He's the enforcer. Yeah. Yeah, and, and it's true, um, like Techno Peasant saying here in the, in the chat, Golden State, you know, we can talk all day about how good they are, but Denver is just has the deck stacked completely against yep. them. Uh, I mean, they're, they've been uh, not fully healthy all year long. Jokic has had to play like an MVP all year long for them to be a winning team. And now he's got to play, he's got to put up Wilt Chamberlain numbers in yep. order for them to compete in this series. Yeah, I see the Rodman comparison in here. Draymond Green is Rodman much wasn't more near vocal. The, uh, the passer that yeah. Green is. That, and that's he's not, and one he's not thing a vocal. that definitely separates them. Rodman's not a vocal leader like Draymond Green. It, it's, it's like taking... Don't take this the wrong way. It's like taking Michael Jordan's leadership skills and Rodman's abilities and putting them together is Draymond Green. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I agree with that. I, I also, I mean, Rodman has always been a quiet guy, first mm -hmm. of all, but he also played for teams that had incredibly loud and boisterous yes. leaders on their teams, not just with the Bulls, but with uh, Detroit as well and all the bad boys. So, And Draymond... Drafted by the Warriors in the second round. Great pick for them. He was around docile, uh, well, or uh, just quiet people in Steph Curry, Clay Thompson. So he developed. He had to be the one that stepped forward and become that voice. And uh, he's done a great job, man. Just Draymond Green has far exceeded every expectation I have ever had for him. I think he's exceeded what most people's expectations of him were. Vinny, can you hit the camera for us, please? All right, so on that cue, looks like we're done covering that game, Calvin. Anything <laughs> else that you want to say finally about Monday's matchups? Uh, just that there's a, a f well, 
I think there are three teams, one team from each one of these series that is in a huge, huge pile of trouble right now. Um, they all get to go home, so yep. that that's they have that going for them. But one more loss here for each one of these teams, I think, pretty much will seal seal their fate. We have not seen many road wins at all during the playoffs. I think we've only seen three w- road wins total, including the play-in tournament, which is which is pretty crazy. All right, Calvin, let's move on to today's games. I know I'm excited. The first games start here in just about an hour. The first round's a little weird, right? Like, they literally don't let you watch all games live because they have a couple games on TNT, a game on NBA TV kind of at the same time. So you kind of got to either have two TVs or you got to switch back and forth. But first off, the Atlanta Hawks visit Miami for take two. Uh, they lost the first game. It should be quite interesting. Calvin, who are you picking in this first game? I'm going with Miami. Uh, this is, again, this is another series that isn't really a fair fight, in my opinion. Um, the Hawks aren't completely healthy either, which is going to hurt them. But like we talked about after game one, it's just a matter of Miami's strengths are so much greater than mm-hmm. uh, Atlanta's, and they counteract each other. You've got one of the best defensive teams in the league against one of the best offensive teams in the league that offense only able to manufacture 91 points in game one uh, Miami is too balanced they've got shooters everywhere uh, and their their ability to switch and guard the perimeter which is what Atlanta is so heavily dominated by as perimeter players um, that put up a ton of threes it, it's just going to be really really difficult Trey Young just like Jokic is going to have to put up otherworldly numbers for them to have a chance in this game yeah and they're gonna have to leave him open series like he got left open in the playing tournament clint capella is still out lou williams out bogdan bogdanovich is listed as day-to-day and there are no injuries to the miami heat espn predicts miami to win they have an 80 percent chance at winning this game and going up 2-0 heading to atlanta I think the Atlanta Hawks are in serious trouble here. Uh, they are definitely, in my opinion, not going back to the Eastern Conference Finals or any other round. I think they'll be lucky to win one game in this series, yeah. and they're going to have to shoot incredible in that game. It is possible, uh, but I no way, no way I see them winning this series. Yeah, I, I think you can stick a fork in them. All right, moving on here to game two. On NBA TV, the Minnesota Timberwolves visit the Memphis Grizzlies. This is a home game in Memphis. We will be, uh, I'll be interested to see if there's another protester maybe <laughs> gluing herself to the backboard or chaining herself to the court or something like that. And uh, Minnesota is up 1-0, Calvin, which is pretty wild. They are. This is going to be a uh, uh, a very, very entertaining series. Um, I'm expecting a, a big bounce-back game from the Grizzlies tonight. But keep an eye on Anthony Edwards. He has been playing yep. um, like Superman as of late. And if he continues to put up 30-plus points, you know these are the two highest-scoring teams in the league, so it's going to be a track meet up and down. Um, but I, I think the Grizzlies will hold home court tonight and, and even this series up yeah as much as minnesota disappointed me uh you know earlier on this season they have been playing absolutely incredible and you mentioned anthony edwards is the real deal he's had some uh you know post-game press conferences following the last few games where he's had amazing performances and he said it's nothing. I don't have any nerves or anything. He's yeah. like, I'm ready. I'm here for the stage. This is what I do. And he has shown it on the court. I'm a little worried for the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, it feels weird saying that. It's only one game. They're down 1-0. They could totally blow out Minnesota today and turn it around. Uh, but if Minnesota can sneak out another win here and head back to Minnesota, where all the protesters are... Yeah. <laughs> Grizzlies might be in trouble here because oh, yeah. they would. De- I mean, the crazy thing, that goes down 0-2 and then has to go on the road is is in big trouble. But Absolutely. we but we've been talking about this team. We're like, oh, here's a game. D'Angelo Russell didn't have a great game. Oh, Carl Anthony Towns fouled out, didn't have a good game. 
they have been winning all of these games. Yeah. And that's the crazy thing about their team is they have so many scores that one guy can be out of it and they can still beat a good team. Absolutely. I mean, if you're the highest scoring team in the NBA, you're obviously capable of putting up numbers on anybody on any given night. Uh, Anthony Edwards, the guy really just amazed me. I'm not sure I've ever seen somebody be more confident. <laughs> and right. I, I, he, for good reason. Like, why yeah. wouldn't he be confident right now? But, you know, we just saw the story break or uh, the, the story he told on um, ESPN the other day where he, he named his dog Anthony Edwards Jr. because, quote, his dog can do everything just like he can. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's crazy, it's, man. It's hilarious. He is the key to this game. If I'm uh, Memphis, I need to lock down Anthony Edwards. Yep. I need to let Towns get his numbers. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what is going on with D'Angelo Russell. Like, I criticized him before, and then he played extremely well the next game, and then he's kind of dropped off again here. So maybe it's because Anthony Edwards is getting all these shots, but if I'm Memphis, my key to this game is going to be stopping Anthony Edwards. Uh, yeah, there's two keys. I think you definitely have to try to force the ball out of Anthony Edwards' hands uh, as much as you can, um, you know, running – double teams at him, all that stuff. And then the other key is going to be keeping Steven Adams and Jaron Jackson Jr. on the court. You yep. talked about it after game one. Both those guys only played 24 minutes. Um, they need Jaron Jackson, who was another defensive player of the year candidate, on the floor seven blocks in just 24 minutes five in that fouls. game one with five fouls. Uh, so if, if they get a better game out of those two guys, I think Jaron Jackson will shoot better. He'll play better in this game. That is a huge, huge key for Memphis. Yeah, I really hope that Memphis doesn't lose this series just for John Morant's sake because you're going to hear all the fans saying that we're better without Ja, which is absolutely ridiculous. I, yeah, that is not true. I, it is not true. <laughs> and, look, Memphis, we, we talked a couple times about teams being ahead of schedule. Yes. I can't think of a team that's more ahead of schedule than the Memphis yep. Grizzlies. They, they've got everything working for them right now. Um, if they do lose this first round series, it will be a disappointment. Absolutely. But it could be enough fuel to the fire for them yep. to come back next season that much better, which is scary considering they were leading the league in like eight or nine categories this season. Yeah. Pump your brakes, Memphis fans. You guys have a bright future ahead of you. Don't panic now. Even if you lose this series, that's okay. Just add. You have young team that's getting better, that's growing. Uh, bright future ahead. All right, Calvin, moving on here to the third game of today. This is 4 p.m. our time, which is quite late if you're on the eastern uh, East Coast. That's 10 p.m. or 7 p.m. in California. The New Orleans Pelicans visit the Phoenix Suns for game two of the series. Phoenix is up 1-0. Still don't know why we have DeMarcus Cousins up there in a Pelicans jersey, but that's okay. Um, Calvin, Pelicans, are they even going to show up for this game? <laughs> oh, they'll show up. I mean, they'll, they'll give their best effort, all that stuff. Um, but, you know, <laughs> the Phoenix Suns are just too good. Uh, this, yeah. Unfortunately, there's only one game I think that's really going to be an entertaining game today. Uh, on the docket for for these playoff games, but that's why they play the games. You know, you never know; it, it could yep. end up being a close game. But look, I I don't think there's anybody out there that is picking New Orleans to upset the the Phoenix Suns here in this first round. Yeah, Zion's still out, but everybody else in New Orleans is active and playing. Uh, but it doesn't look like it when you look at the box score after the game because yeah. Phoenix is just a dominant team. They're my choice to win the NBA title this year. And uh, what a great place to start uh, than with a team that's 10 games below 500 that barely won the play-in, and uh, that's your warm-up game. Yep. yep. Pretty nice, pretty nice. The big three for Phoenix is too big, too much. Um, Chris Paul, yep. I expect him to have another phenomenal game. The guy can just get to his spots whenever he wants. That mid-range jump shot is pretty much automatic. Um, Devin Booker is another guy who is basically automatic from mid-range as well. And 
And uh, then you add all the other pieces they've got outside. Cam yeah. Johnson, great three-point shooter. Uh, Mikhail Bridges, to me, is still like the key to this team. Uh, he just does so much for them. He doesn't really have to score to have a huge impact on the game. His defensive ability uh, is his um, increased ability to handle the ball, create his shots for himself, gives Phoenix another dimension offensively. So they're they're just too tough. They're too good. Yeah, if I'm Phoenix, I'm in a weird balance right now of trying to keep Chris Paul healthy uh, and have him in a rhythm moving on, yeah. right? Yeah, Charles Barkley yesterday talked a bunch of times about how Philadelphia needs to stop playing around and, and end this right away, right? Get Build a big lead, get up by 20, and sit Joel Embiid and James Harden because it, that series has been really physical, bodies all over the floor, all that stuff. I think you can say the same thing for Phoenix. They, they need yep. to not mess around here. Uh, get up big, rest your guys late in the game, and move on to the next round. Yep, build off of it, stack days, and don't let your veterans or anybody on your team really get injured. All right, Calvin, so... I think I already know this uh, answer, but most exciting game or game you're looking forward to today? The Memphisota Grizzly Wolves. That Minnesota will be exciting. Minnesota and Memphis is by far the most exciting game today. What's the over-under on a protester storming the, the court? Uh, on how many protesters? <laughs> on whether it'll happen today or not. Over-under one and a half? Protesters. Okay. I, I think the chances are good. I mean, I'm sure they're going to have increased security at the stadium and all that yeah. stuff at this point. People aren't going to try to mess around with this anymore. But uh, as we've seen, people are very creative, and the, yeah. they might find a way to sneak something in there. I'm just disappointed because next time I go to a game, they might confiscate my Elmer's glue. You know, they won't <laughs> let me bring it inside, which yeah, is a bummer. They won't let you bring your chain and padlock either, unfortunately. <laughs> All right, guys, it's that time again. We are opening up the show to you, the fans, in the chat for Q&A. We're going to give you guys a few minutes here to post any questions you have in the chat or anything you'd like us to cover, and we'd be happy to uh, dive in and have a great time. And I'm just going to look back here, Calvin, and see if we have any that we missed. I see better than Rodman. I think that's Draymond Green. As much as I love... Dennis Rodman, I'm going to say Draymond Green is a better player. You agree, Cal? That's tough. <clears throat> That's tough for me. Yeah. I mean, Draymond can definitely do things um, that Rodman really couldn't. He can handle the ball. He can pass. He can run an offense. Um, Rodman was never really capable of doing that stuff, but... Draymond doesn't have both, the motor. He doesn't have the motor players. that Rodman have. That's the only advantage I give Rodman is the motor. Yeah, I'm, I'm not – maybe, I guess. I mean, Draymond is, is the self-proclaimed best defensive player of all time, right? Yeah, but I don't see Draymond Green going out to a bar and drinking 50 drinks and then showing up to practice the next morning and running well, yeah. like 50 <laughs> well, laps, I was just no say, I mean, I don't know. Maybe Draymond's done that. I don't know. But uh, – <laughs> But yeah, he's Rodman is just a different type of person, right? Like he's <laughs> there's he's not built the same way that everybody else is built. He's an alien. I've, he's I an saw men in black. He's an alien. Uh, he's an ambassador for North Korea. All that stuff. So, but Dennis Rodman, you know, I think people forget in his prime just how uh, phenomenal of a defender he was, and and not just guys close to the basket. He could guard anyone on the floor anywhere. He was a really, really special, special, talented player. Mike wants to know how you feel about the Dirk silhouette on the court. Uh, much deserved. Yeah, yeah. Until they take it off and put Luca on there. <laughs> <laughs> Does Golden State have any pressure on them? Uh, I mean, yeah, every team that plays in the playoffs has pressure on them but i i don't think i think golden state is is probably playing the freest that they've played um in the playoffs you know in the last seven eight years yeah the, this is the first playoff appearance they've made in a few years they haven't been to the finals five straight seasons um 
you know, people were kind of picking, saying that the championship window was either closing or it already shut on them. So, no, I, I think they're they're pretty comfortable with where they're at right now. Yeah, I think they already won their titles. They really have nothing to prove at this point. Uh, they're just having fun playing basketball, and I think they're uh, they're free rolling at this point. Yeah, and you could just see how happy they are to be all out there again together, right? Because yep. it's been so long, and um, and they're playing really well, and they're winning too, which obviously makes them even more happy. Pool for most improved player. Yeah, he's got an, a very good case to be made here. Um, you know, I still think it's John Morant's award to lose just because I realized Jordan Poole made a huge, huge improvement. He was playing in the G League last season, like somebody said here in the chat. Uh, now he's putting up all-star level numbers. Um, he's had a great year overall, but to me, John Morant, his level of improvement and his sustained level of improvement, he did it from day one to day 82, even though he didn't play all 82 games. But he, he was that much better every single time he stepped on the court. Whereas Jordan Poole still had some games, you know, where he looked like a guy that was trying to figure it out still. Um, it, it's splitting hairs, I know, but John Morant was mentioned for M as an MVP candidate for mm -hmm. probably the entire first half of the season. That, to me, is, is just as good of an improvement as going from the G League to scoring 20 points a game. Yeah, I agree. As Techno Peasant points out here, Poole is not even a finalist for the most improved player. Uh, Which is kind of amazing. Yeah, but. we have DeJounte Murray, Darius Garland, and Ja Morant. But it is amazing because the dude is playing completely yeah. out of his mind. It just goes to show how many people took their games to the next level this year. I mean, DeJounte Murray and Darius Garland both uh, made their first all-star teams this season. So, Yep. Uh, let's see. Denver and Utah are similar. Something is still missing. You agree with that? Well, yeah, I definitely agree with that for Denver. They're missing two all-stars yeah. <laughs> or potential all-stars, I guess, Jamal Murray and, and Michael Porter Jr. Um, for Utah, yeah, I think they're missing something too. And, and I also think that it's just one of the, the, it, the cases where this team, they built a really, really solid team. They couldn't get over the hump, and now they've got uh, all these internal issues. I, I think mm -hmm. that really is a bigger deal out there than people are – not everyone is making because some people are pointing that out. But yeah. um, they, they really, really need Mike Conley to perform like we are used to seeing Mike Conley play. That, that would help them. Uh, it would be the quickest help, I think, that they could get right away. Yeah, it's – the whole Mike Conley situation is so perplexing to me because of the fact that this guy was basically the face of the Memphis Grizzlies when they were known for their defense, right? Like, yes, they had Marcus All, best defender, best big man defender in the league. They had Zach Randolph. They had Tony Allen, uh, some of these other guys. But Mike Conley was the highest paid player on that team. He was the face of that team. He was the highest paid player and in the NBA. Yeah, and his drop off on on defense is is just stunning to me. It really is. Who do you guys think will be the next face of the NBA among the young guys playing right now? Or do you think that the next face of the NBA is not in the league yet? Ooh. No, I, I think that person's probably in the league. It's a really tough question to answer because there's there's more there are it are more young stars in the NBA than there's ever been and the the level of their talent and ability is probably higher than the NBA has ever had for all of these guys. I mean, you can make a case for Luka, you can make a case for John Morant, you can make a case for Jason Tatum. Yeah. Um, and all of those guys are 22 years or young or younger. Uh, so it's probably going to depend on which of those young players teams stays relevant in championship contention for long enough. So I think you can maybe give an edge to Jason Tatum for that right now, just because they've been, you know, a, a team in the Eastern conference that's 
been considered a contender already for multiple years, and they're right back at it again. But any one of those guys can have this huge uh, surge to the top, and the league will be theirs for a long time. My question to you, Cal, is who is the face of the NBA right now? Is it still LeBron James? For me, it is. For me, it is. Is that just because you've been watching for a while? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm lucky enough to have seen his entire career. So, sure, that that definitely um, has a or plays a role in it. But I just look at what he's done. No one has ever been as good as he's been for as long as he's been. He's been the face of the NBA already for, you know, how many years? Over 10, I would say, mm-hmm. probably. Uh, he's only a couple years removed from winning another championship. He just averaged over 30 points per game. Like, he's not, he's maybe declining, but he's not declining at a fast enough rate for me to say, this guy isn't the man still. Yeah, it's really tough for me uh, because, you know, I I don't know if the face of the league and the league's best player are always the same person. That's probably Um, true. And LeBron has been the face, but I think that if he misses the playoffs next year, he probably will not be considered the best player anymore. Uh, and it, if you're even considering him the best player now, and it will shift. Um, I'm looking at guys like Luka Doncic, who's 23 years old, which is crazy. He just turned 23 like two months ago. Uh, 28 points a game, nine rebounds, almost nine assists. If his team wins a title, he could be the face. Uh, I'm looking at another another guy in Devin Booker. He's only 25 yep. years old. If his team wins the title this year, you know, people love shooting guards that can score. Devin Booker could be that guy. And then I'm looking at, you know, the reigning champion. And Giannis Antetokounmpo, he's only 27 years old. So could Giannis be the face of the NBA for the next six years? It's possible. Uh, Could Devin Booker? I think it's probably more likely than Giannis just because he's only 25. And uh, I think Luka Doncic probably will How old is Giannis? I mean, he's He's 27. Yeah, about to be 28. So he's... He's not that much older than Booker. Yeah, he's not. I just don't know if his game will translate as well yeah. as Devin Booker's. It, it, I think older. it just goes to show how uh, how good of a situation the NBA is in, right? Like, yep. there, there's never been this much talent in the league and this much young talent in the league. Yep. Yep. I agree. Steph is another guy that we didn't even mention. Yep. You know, I mean, he's not that young anymore, but. A lot of people have wanted to say that he's been the face of the NBA for the past five, six seasons. This is an interesting question. Do you guys think the U.S. is ready to have a foreigner as the face of the league? Because two of those three guys that I mentioned are not from here. Yeah. That's interesting. Uh, what do you feel about that? Um, I'm probably the wrong person to ask. Because I, I don't really think about that stuff. I just watch people play basketball, and if yeah. one guy's better than the other, then I say he's better. So, or or he's the face or whatever. So I, I think I'm the wrong person to ask that question. That stuff doesn't matter to me. I, it's not a factor. Yeah. Um. I don't know. I don't know if they're ready or not. Maybe I I think that the the NBA is going more global. Uh, we can see there's more and more talent coming in and and to Calvin's point, I think it's becoming more important to people uh, that it doesn't matter where you're from as long as you can perform and do well. And uh, so I I would say, yes, the U.S. is ready to have a foreigner. Don't hate the player, right? Yeah, hate the game. (laughs) All right, Calvin, anything else you want to talk about before we wrap up the show here? I don't see any more questions in the chat. Uh, Just I'm ready for another day of basketball, man. This this is a great time of year, right? We just keep rolling on, and every game gets more and more important. Yep. Oh, man. I hope you guys have a wonderful Tuesday watching basketball. We will be here tomorrow on Wednesday. Oh, sorry. We got one more question from our guy, Flame 
Flurry 11. Due to the new lottery rules that were changed in 2009, every seventh pick has moved into the top four uh, from since Sack holds seventh. Do you think they will move up? I don't know if that's long enough of a sample size for me. What do you think? Uh, every year since 2019, oh. the seventh pick has moved into the top four. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, there's no real way to predict that. Like the, you, it could happen for the next 10 years in a row and the percentage chance of it happening is still the same, right? Like, uh, it, you just have to wait and see how, how everything falls out. And techno peasant, I agree with what you said there about the NBA having a market who they want the face of the league to be and all that stuff. Um, that, that all makes sense from revenue jersey sales all, all that sort of stuff but uh that that stuff i'm i'm not yeah. the person that they hook on that those things so yeah uh as far as the seventh pick i would hope that they can move up into the top four i, I really would um but it's also you know like just because you flip a coin and it lands on heads 50 times in a row, yeah, it doesn't exactly. mean that the 51th time is any more likely to land on heads yeah. and tails, right? It, yeah. They're mutually exclusive events, so it's still going to be that 50-50 that shot or, or whatever it is. Um, but I would like them to move up. I really would. And uh, Calvin, last question. Oh, and sorry, Techno Peasant. We don't post when we are having the live stream, but we will post uh, the video or we'll at least get it set up and schedule it right after this video. But we're trying for the same time every day, which is 12 o'clock our time, 3 p.m. Pacific Standard Time and 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. But if you go to our channel, when you subscribe, hit that notification bell and it will remind you every time we have a new video. So that is the best way to not miss out on any of these lives. Real quick, Calvin, thoughts on the DeMarcus Cousins Sacramento situation? I know you've posted a ton about this I on have. Twitter, <laughs> so let it fly. I've, I've been talking to a lot of Kings fans on Twitter about this. Um, I, I think it it totally makes sense for this to hit home as a Kings fan for you to feel a certain type of way about it. But what I was telling uh, one of our friends, Tanvir, shout out Tanvir yesterday is that it's pretty clear to me that DeMarcus cousins doesn't care about Sacramento. I'm not sure how much he cared about Sacramento when he was in Sacramento. So yep. for me, I, Kings fans need to not waste any time caring about what DeMarcus cousins says anymore. Uh, it just, when you say a statement like they sucked before I got there, they sucked while I was there. Not we sucked. Yeah. He was a big part of that team. Obviously he was the best player, but he's one of the reasons why, or, you know, he's part of the reason why they didn't succeed as a team. So it's not they, it's we. And then they sucked after I left. That just shows me all I need to know about him. He's not going to change. We just saw it last night. He got tried to start a fight with his own team. This dude is who he is. He's always been that. Um, he was a phenomenally talented basketball player, but he never had it upstairs. And and that's why I think people are going to remember him as a great player that never achieved what he really was capable of. Yeah, I couldn't have said it better myself. This is more of DeMarcus Cousins being DeMarcus Cousins. Like, does it not get any more DeMarcus Cousins than what have you done for me lately? As George Carl said, the Kings paid you millions and millions of dollars, $50 million to be a professional basketball player, to be a role model, to be all these things. And you just didn't live up to expectations. Yeah. Now, yes, there was flaws in ownership. There was flaws in management. Uh, there was fl flaws in all these different types of things that did cause him to uh, maybe lose more than he would have liked. But it kind of goes back to the old saying of, you are only in charge of what you're in charge of, and you need to be focused on the things you're in charge of. And the things DeMarcus Cousins is in charge of is getting better as a basketball player. He's in charge of his emotions. He's in charge of the way that he treats other people. And, you know, he lets those other things slip. So it's more DeMarcus being DeMarcus. I love DeMarcus as a player for Sacramento. Don't think I really like the person. Yeah, and... That might be true that he does a lot of community service for Sacramento. Maybe he still does. You have to be careful with those things, though. First of all, 
that stuff is written into their contracts. I'm, I'm not saying that people don't do that out of the kindness of their heart or because they want to still, but it is written into their contracts. And for every story that you can give me about DeMarcus Cousins doing something really nice for the community of Sacramento, I can probably give you another story from people who have had interactions with him uh, where he really didn't treat them that well. Fans, uh, yep. you know, staff members, people who worked for the Kings, Uber drivers, Uber drivers, the list goes on and on and on. So you, you can be part when you're on TV a lot, or when you're a well-known person. Um, I think it's, you learn how to show a certain side of yourself that people want you to see. Um, but when you play professional sports, your emotions also come out and you show your true colors a lot too. So I, You can say that he cares about the city, and that might be true. What I more meant by that statement is I don't think he gives a crap about the Sacramento Kings as an organization. Yep, yep. And on that same topic, I don't want to remind you guys, or I do, that it was just a couple years ago DeMarcus Cousins threatened to kill his baby mama. So how many of these community service hours are uh, actually him (laughs) – or a plea deal or something or like Calvin said written in the contract I don't really know thanks Sean it's uh we're happy to see you here we are just finishing up the stream with Q&A so if you guys got any more questions uh we have answers or we at least think we have answers uh we'll go on for a couple more minutes here and then we'll wrap it up we are going to do another live stream for well rebounds this week probably maybe Thursday before our other stream we will keep you guys posted as I mentioned Make sure you hit the notification bells on this channel and on Royal Rebounds. It'll notify you guys every single time we put out a new video. Any any more thoughts on DeMarcus Cousins? Uh, no, just like I, I don't think Kings fans should be wasting their time worrying about DeMarcus Cousins anymore. It's yeah. that, that time has come and gone. The team didn't succeed with him there. You know, it's. It's not like uh, they were right on the verge of a Western Conference Finals or something, and it's you know this heyday in Sacramento basketball history that we kind of want to keep reliving. Yeah. Like he said, they sucked. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's just uh, stop texting your ex girlfriend. It's a moot point to me at, at this point. I don't even think people should be asking Demarcus Cousins about Sacramento anymore. Yeah, stop texting your ex girlfriend. Cousins is gone. The relationship is is soured. It's spoiled. It doesn't mean you can't cherish and remember all the good times when there were good times, but things change. And uh, DeMarcus Cousins, not happy with Sacramento Kings. Bottom line. All right, guys, we are going to end the stream here. We appreciate you all for joining us. Please don't forget to hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, and as I mentioned, hit that notification bell so you are notified every time we put out a new video. We're going to be watching all three games today, and then we will be live again tomorrow, 12 p.m. Hawaii Standard Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, and 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We will see you all tomorrow. The bar is closed. Any last thoughts, Calvin? Have a good day. Don't forget to tip your bartenders.